This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. There was no reason from his performance uh, to take him off. Yeah, he was lucky to stay on uh, first half, but that had no bearing on uh, on that the referee made a mistake there. So that's but that's allowed. so, uh, but Fred knows he shouldn't uh, head, put his head towards someone, even though he, he doesn't touch him. You know, the destiny is in, in our own hands. We know that uh, we play against a good team, obviously, uh, Leipzig in the semi-final last year. But we uh, we are developing into uh, into a better team as well. And uh, tonight, very pleased with the performance. Uh, apart from, uh, of course, they were more clinical. We need to be clinical in these types of games, big games most of the time are decided by fine margins and today they were against us. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Man United boss Ole Gunnar Solskjaer speaking after PSG inflicted defeat on the Red Devils in the Champions League. This is On the Ball with me, Ross, and my very special guest, Bob Holmes is here. Hello, Bob. Hi, everybody. Craig Marias also joins us. Oh, what's up, Craig? Hello, hello. And a pleasure, as always, to welcome Des Corkill to the show. Hello, Des. A very mellow Des Corkill it is today as well. <laughs> <laughs> Lockdown is taking its toll on Des even. Uh, tweet <laughs> at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We do have a new video out every Friday on our YouTube channel, TFIF on Video. Please check us out. Right, Champions League, we heard Ole at the start. Man United 1, PSG 3. Um, it was re- I was reading this stat which said in this is the first time in the competition's history that the first four ties between two sides have been won by the away side. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they were well worth their win, Craig, weren't they? Uh, yeah, I think in um, you know the game as a whole, I think they did. I think United had uh, the chances, you know, in the second half. Um, you know, from, from halftime to to about the 60th minute, I thought that Martial you know, miss, yeah, that Martial miss, that Cavani hitting the hitting yeah. the bar uh, with the chip, and so you can't say that they didn't have the chances. They did, um, but you can't ignore uh, the quality that PSG have in attack as well. Um, I thought, you know, when they went forward, you know, they, they did look very dangerous. And I, I thought that the two goals that, you know, United, con- uh, sorry, the three goals that United conceded were were very poor, hmm. um, if you ask me. You know, they, they should have been defended a lot better. Yes, you know, the third one, obviously, United were pushing forward and, and you got caught on the break. But um, the other two, I thought, were, were very poor goals to concede. Very soft. Um, so no, not good from United's point of view. But... Um, the first the first 15 minutes, I mean, it was all PSG, wasn't it? First 10, 15 minutes, they, they, they were really good out of the blocks. Once United got into their groove, I thought, you know, they dominated their, their run for the rest of the half. I thought, you know, they, they were good going forward. And then into the second half, they were those two massive chances. I mean, the game changes, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, I think Martial missing from that kind of range is, is inexcusable, to be honest with well, you. What, what's, um, what's, okay, what's your thought on, on Martial now? I mean, he, he hasn't yeah. scored this season yet, I don't think, has he? Yeah, um, he yeah he hasn't. Um, and he's, oh, I think he's got, actually, he's got one in the Champions League, maybe. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the penalty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, well, one of the main things is the fact that, you know, the last few games he's play, been playing on the left as well. Um, 
I think with Cavani coming into a bit of form um, and, and, you know, linking up, uh, look, looking good, um, I think, you know, that might be where Martial uh, might find himself this season, mm. you know, um, given um, Cavani can't play every week. Uh, but, you know, the, you've got that positional change. Um, and then the confidence, you know, I mean, you, I think uh, the guys on the show will tell you, you know, just one goal, if it comes off his knee or his... Or, or his bum or, or anything else, you know, he'll take it and, and it's going to give him the world a good. Uh, but yeah, right now, he just couldn't buy a goal, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, um, defeat compounded by yet more question marks over uh, Ole uh, Bob Holmes regarding should Fred have stayed on? Should he have been subbed off? He was lucky not to have been shown the red card. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think there were two unbelievable decisions in this match. One was not giving him the red card in the first place. And the second was not taking him off or not, um, or not keeping him off at half time would have been a convenient time. I mean, it was, he was absolutely asking, begging to be sent off, wasn't he? <laughs> and, and ironically, when, when he finally was, I don't think it was a foul. Yeah, oh, no, I think wasn't. he got the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was probably his best tackle of the night. But, that's that's um, Ander Herrera's think... dark arts coming into play there. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Much missed, eh? <laughs> has to take some of the blame for that. I mean, he did talk about Harry Hindsight at the end, um, as if he was a new backroom uh, staff member. But uh, I don't think you needed too much hindsight for that. It was an elementary uh, decision that yeah. practically any other manager would have taken. Um, and, it, and it cost, uh, well, it went a, a long way towards costing yeah. United the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, PSG piled it on, uh, didn't they, towards the end um, against 10 men. But I thought United were a little bit unlucky. I mean, I said uh, last week that they were very lucky against PSG in a previous occasion, but I thought they were a little bit unlucky. I mean, the, the shot by Cavani at speed, that the, the lob, it was a lob. It was and a to lob. have the technique to do that yeah. at full pelt was absolutely amazing. I think that if it had gone in, uh, that would have been one of the goals of the season. That, that was very, very unlucky. And then the Martial miss um, and the goals you mentioned, a bit of pinball in the United defence, mm. one of them, a bit unlucky there. So overall, I, th I thought United, you know, it was a game they could have won, perhaps should have won. Yep. But you've got to mention Neymar, really, Neymar, <laughs> for the bad side, for the rolling around, yeah. for he had he had chance to sit up and say something to McTominay, and then got down again and <laughs> rolled around. I mean, it was a, a Oscar-winning performance, wasn't it? We, we've seen really. that before somewhere. We've seen that. We, we, we've, uh, <laughs> and plus, you add to that the long chat he had with the ref walking off the pitch as well. You're going, oh uh, my goodness! At halftime, exactly. Yeah. All right, so United with it all to do in their final game next week away against Leipzig. In the week when Roman Grosjean has had a near-death experience in Formula One and climbed out of a burning wreck, you're seeing what sporting her heroism is about. And you compare that to the ridiculous theatrics that we saw from Neymar. You compare that to ridiculous uh, theatrics that we saw from Herrera. You compare that to the non-contact sport that football has become. You compare that to the absolute cheat fest that top-class football has become. And 
I think football is really, really in a dark space. I really do believe that. The comparison was there for all to see. One was genuine heroics, um, surviving, uh, coming out uncomplaining, and the other is pure cheating. You've got to call it out for cheating. To the game itself, I thought Man United very unlucky. Pinball for two of the goals. uh, And um, uh, a a brilliant effort from Cavani that comes back off, off the top of the bar. But cheating is winning. And you've got to call it, Ross. I keep yeah. telling you now, week after week after week after week after week, we're seeing it. And cheating is winning. We've got to call it out for what it is. Somber thoughts there on a Friday evening. But well said. Has to be said, really. Um, all right. Let, let's quickly clear up the Champions League then. Craig, say something nice about Olivier Giroud, will you? Oh, my God. Um, you know, we... we... <laughs> This is a striker that we, we criticise a lot. It comes under a lot of, a lot of criticism um, in terms of why is he playing for France? He can't even get to Chelsea's starting lineup. This, that, and the other. But what he showed us, um, I thought, was that was uh, I mean, just quality. amazing. Uh, it was just quality all over. You, you're talking about a player who doesn't get a lot of minutes, right? And, and we talk about rustiness, you know, match fitness. You know, a lot of players use this match minutes, you know, you know, I haven't got enough minutes under my belt. I mean, you hear all the excuses. Here's a guy who's, what is he now, 34? 34? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, he's coming up to his mid-30s. Um, and he's played for a top club like Chelsea, but yeah, not every not every week. Um, you maybe get some five minutes here, five minutes there. But to go and start a Champions League match and, and to... To, to score the way he did. I mean, the yeah. quality in all four. I mean, yes, one was a penalty, but the the other three goals were just pure, pure quality. I mean, you're talking about, you know, those finishes, finishes that we give Messi credit for, you know, yeah, the yeah. chip over the keepers yeah. with, with the weaker foot. I mean, it, it was just absolutely... Uh, if, if there are any young strikers out there, you know, and, and yes, it's easy to look at your Neymars and they're flashy, but you're talking about, you know, good old-fashioned strikers um, yeah, who can score goals. I, I thought it was a, just such a good, good performance uh, from Olivier Giroud. Um, yeah. and, and it just shows us why he deserves to play at um, a top club like Chelsea. Um, I think the, I think the rumours linking him with Inter Milan, still a very big club. Um, and, and why he plays for the world champions. That is exactly that. His, his goal record, you know, he might not be smashing it every week or, or, or you know, he might be not be great on the eye in the front uh, French national team. But, my God, what a performance that was um, uh, the other night. Yeah, despite the loss, Sevilla and uh, followed Chelsea through uh, in Group E. So, uh, dead rubbers for both teams in the final group game. Liverpool uh, made it through as well. 1-0 win over Ajax in Group D. Excuse me. Curtis Jones with a fortunate goal after a horrific goalkeeping error by Ajax's Andre Onana. But... It was a young Liverpool side, and, and that's going to do them the world, do the confidence, the world of good there, Bob. Yeah, uh, yeah, great result. Um, I give uh, Curtis Jones a bit of credit. Uh, I thought such was the howler that they made by the keeper. Jones would have been forgiven for almost turning away, um, but he was alert and he, he managed to tap it in. That, that was unfortunate for the keeper. I mean, he's a good keeper. He's been there for years. And yeah, he's a yeah. renowned keeper. But that, that, was, a, a, that was a mega howler. Um, yes, but the star of the show was uh, the keeper, wasn't he? 
Kelleher. I won't attempt to pronounce his first name. Kivang? Um, uh, somebody was saying. Kivan. Well, Kivan. I think Des, Des looks as if he might know. Uh, Des, <laughs> have you got the yeah, Scouse yeah. on his first name? Well, he's Kivan. not a Scouser by any chance, but Kermin is, uh, I've heard Ka him say it himself, Kermin. Kermin. Oh, well, it's not so difficult. Let's call it Kelleher. He was he was great, wasn't he? Yep. There was one slightly dodgy moment on a cross, but I mean I don't want to you know quibble about that. Uh, he was magnificent, and I think Klopp was was spot on when he said he picked him for his ability, his footballing ability, mm. because with his feet he he exuded total confidence, didn't he? And when we now know his backstory, he was a midfield player. And he only went in goal when he was 14 years old. I think Des was in goal. Striker. He was a striker. Uh, at a, young, a younger age than 14. Uh, well, I've read both midfield and striker. Yeah. But anyway, he was an outfield player. And he looked as if he, if he had been. Um, so that's great news for Liverpool because it looks as if Alisson could be out for another couple of weeks. And uh, Alisson actually is a bit injury prone, isn't he? When you, when you look at it, he's... He's two or three years at Liverpool. He has missed quite a few games. And Adrian, although he did perform heroics when he first came into the side, um, he's let them down recently. And uh, Klopp obviously doesn't have the confidence in him. So this was a great boost. Um, I mean, they, they weren't mathematically through this group, even were they, before the game kicked mm. off, although they did have the insurance of another game next week. Um, so they, they would have been delighted with this. Three points and a clean sheet and young players performing. Nico Williams also had a good game, yeah. I thought. Yeah. So all three of the, of the youngsters um, performed very well. So, uh, yeah, a very satisfying night for Klopp. So Liverpool through in Group D. Uh, second place is up for grabs. It's between Atalanta and Ajax. It uh, should be a good fight. City are through as well. They had a nil-nil with Porto. Uh, Porto followed them through in Group C. Um, Des, what can you say about this? Um, it was... I, I know Pep Guardiola complained about this. I know you like this. Pep Guardiola complained after that. And the Porto boss said, oh, yeah, of course he'll be upset. With, with the team that he has and the budget he has, nil-nil would be upsetting. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I, I still believe Man City will be a threat right the way through this season, but their lack of goals, take the Burnley game apart, yeah. their lack of goals is becoming a real concern because they're creating chances. They could and should have won this game, by my reckoning, on the chances created, uh, but they're not converting and we can keep talking about Aguero, but it's not all just about a centre-forward. It seems that everybody seems to be going through a, a slight, I don't know, not finding the back of the net. Because this is Man City. They yeah. used to score four and five for fun. And now it's, it's another uh, goalless situation. The longer it carries on, the more it gets into the psyche of the club. So I, that's the only thing I'd worry about Man City. But I thought they looked very assured um, on uh, a, a, a decent game of football. I'm trying to work out what the rivalry that has emerged between Porto and Man City is all about. It, it's appeared from absolutely nowhere, isn't it? <laughs> Not so much on the pitch, but all the stuff that's flying around off the pitch is, is really quite spiteful. Yeah, I think it started uh, a few years ago, before Pep's time, when uh, City were subjected to racial 
chanting by Porto fans. And they happened to come out for the second half, 30 seconds late. And they were fined for that more than what Porto were fined for the racist chanting. And this, this was obviously a, an outrage. And it, it seemed to spark some sort of animosity between mm. the clubs. Although, although it was UEFA dishing out the punishment, um, there was ill feeling between the two clubs. So it started actually before Pep's time, but it's, been, it's certainly continuing. And it, I mean, really, it, it, it's, it's over nothing now, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that's long gone and it was UEFA to blame. But, you know, it, it, um, it's not an edifying spectacle, put it like that. No. Um, all right. So that's your Champions League roundup. We'll talk about the Europa League as we preview the Premier League. And that is happening for you right after the break. Has come up with uh, something beyond the ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On the Ball on BFM 89.9. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back, back with Bob Holmes, Craig Marias and Des Corkill previewing match week 11 of the English Premier League. Um, yeah, December, 11 matches played only. It's, it's... <laughs> wow. Uh, Burnley versus Everton is the early kickoff. It's 19th versus 8th. Uh, Burnley have lost six of their opening nine league games now. Uh, we've been talking, Des Corkill, about clubs with glass ceilings. And I know you don't have a lot of sympathy for Burnley. You think they should go, go now. But they are on the way out, aren't they? Um, they'll fight. They'll be rugged. Um, I'm not a fan. The, re the reason I'm, I'm not a Burnley fan is because I don't think they've tried to develop. I don't think Sean Jack Dice has tried to develop the formation from a solid... 4-4-2, lump it up to the centre forward. They tried the odd winger here and there, but they haven't developed a, a, a style of play that has improved themselves. And so I don't think they are worth paying the subscription fee. That is now my rule of thumb for clubs in the top flight because they get paid such a vast amount of money. There's a duty of care for them to entertain. I know, Craig, I know. You don't agree. <laughs> but, but there is that duty of care. So if Burnley aren't going to play ball, then take your ball somewhere else and let somebody else in who will try to play uh, proper football. So if they don't change their style of play, I will say good riddance to bad rubbish. I hope Everton uh, do them. Uh, I'm, I'm a red, but I hope the, the Blues do uh, Burnley simply because of, of that factor. Everton are now trying to play football. Uh, they're a mixed bag of results at the moment. But if Burnley continue to just be rugged and solid and difficult to beat, get out of this league. Yeah, they're finding scoring a problem, Burnley. They've only scored two goals in their previous eight games. Uh, Everton. Can I come in, uh, Ross? Can I just come in on this? Uh, a little bit of sympathy for Sean Dyche, not in terms of the way he plays his football, but the lack of spending power. And this is uh, on the eve of a proposed takeover, £200 million takeover by an American group. And the owner of Burnley, is hanging out for this, this money and he doesn't want to spend because that's going to come out of his own pocket if he buys players. So he's taking the risk of uh, putting them in the relegation zone by not spending, not buying players, um, while he waits for this, this sale to go through. So this is why uh, Sean Dyche has fallen out with his chairman. He's had no money. 
no, no money to strengthen the team, hardly bought a player in the window. And it's all about this deal. And the guy wants to pocket the 200 million and say goodbye. So I, I do feel a little bit of sympathy for Deitch there. But this yeah. isn't a new thing, uh, Bob. This is not a new thing. I've been saying this about Burnley since 2017. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the chairman's got to think, hey, if, if you're going to sell a championship club next season, what's the point, right? You've got to stay up. <laughs> Which is a bit, yeah. I mean, I've, well, yeah, I, I did a business degree. What would so. you do, Ross? Well, you know, I'd buy some players. <laughs> Let, let's... Your money, Ross? Would you spend your money to buy players? To keep my club in, in the division, yeah. Because I know they're going to be devalued if they get relegated. So, so it's Burnley. It looks like they need seven or eight. You'd spend about fifty million pounds of your money. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm I mean, ass- I mean, I'm assuming yeah. I've got at least two hundred. But yeah, absolutely. I am coming over to your place, your your <laughs> large. Well, well, I mean, if, if you if you own the club, surely yeah. you'd what you'd want to ensure that they play in the top division, and, and you you have to spend to do that. Even if you don't buy top players, that there is the money ball. That there, there are loads I mean, of very good. Player, promising players would love. I them. mean, they sell. They, I mean, they have a great record of you know get, getting players on the cheap and selling them at a very high price. Um, so, so there is money there. The club have generated a lot of money uh, from TV revenue, from player sales. But when you look at you know the, the money ha- has it been reflected into purchasing of players or new players? It hasn't. No. It rarely, um, rarely, you know. Sp- Flashed out the cash, you know. You look at some of the teams that have come from uh, from the Championship. You know, remember Fulham a couple of years ago, hundred million straight away. Villa, I mean, God knows how much they've spent in the last two years. But the, these are clubs who have come up, who have owners who are willing to part with that kind of cash to ensure they stay in the division. Mm. Now, yeah, I get where Des is coming from. Yeah, the football's not pretty and everything. It's worked for them. But now, you know, when you're down to your bare bones, I mean, they're using kids these days in the Premier League. I mean, they, they have to resort to that. They're struggling. I think it was last season. They struggled to even get a bench. Yeah, uh, you know, when um, after you know uh, after the league resumed, you know, they couldn't even get a full bench out, uh, and, that, and that was because of lot... broadcast money. You can't get a bench. Don't get that. No. Well, the players left, didn't they? Because they, their contracts expired. Yeah, and and that's why they couldn't get a bench. So uh, I mean, if you have if you have owners willing to part with a little bit of cash to help your manager and your team out, well, it's going to make the world of a difference, isn't it? All right, we will get the violins out for Sean Dyche just for a little bit, for a little while. Not all of us, not all of us. <laughs> well, a small one from Des, <laughs> a tiny violin. <laughs> all right, quick look at Everton then, Des. I know, you know, I know you like laughing at them, but they've lost four of the last five. They look a good team when when they were when they were leading the way earlier on so 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 the the giggling was because there was such a malarkey about when they went four wins in succession and they almost celebrated winning the league and so 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 the giggle has happened because they're finding out that you don't win a league after after four matches but they're a good side Uh, i i do like them a little bit inconsistent which is very uh un carlo ancelotti he, he likes consistency, he likes winning, he likes being near the top. A lot of it seems to depend on whether Richarlison and James uh, uh, Rodriguez are playing and are in the mood to play, because they're the ones who make things tick. Um, defensively, they could concede less. That will happen. I'm sure they'll tighten up. But uh, their success will de- uh, depend, I think, on the, the two South Americans uh, up front and, and their continued fitness and their continued output. 
All right. There's yet to be a draw, interestingly, between Burnley and Everton. Uh, Everton lead seven wins to five in Premier League history, Des, before you jump on your horse. Uh, 8.30 p.m. kickoff, <laughs> that one. Burnley versus Everton. Moving on then to Man City, who are 11th, taking on 17th place Fulham. Uh, let's start with Fulham. They had a nice shock on Monday. They Nobody would have predicted a 2-1 win at Leicester, uh, Bob Holmes. But they... Um, Scott Parker's boys went there. They even scored a penalty, don't you know? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was a historic moment, wasn't it? Um, actually, I think they've got a, a slight chance because they, they went out and did something in the transfer window. I mean, they, they tried to shore up their defence. They bought two centre-backs. Uh, Adebayraibo, I think his name is. City. Yeah. Uh, yeah, used to play for City. So he'll be playing against his old club here and probably wishing he wasn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, also uh, Anderson, they got Anderson as well. And um, they look slightly more solid at the back. Um, not that I don't think they're going to be solid enough to, um, to keep City out. But um, I, I think compared to some of the others down there, including Burnley, they've got a, they've got a fighting chance of uh, staying up. Um, but th- this really does look, having said that, it still looks like lambs to the slaughter here, doesn't it? It does. Going to the Etihad against a Man City that has cruised through in Europe. I got five uh, last week very easily. Um, and if ever they're going to get over their gold drought, here's another opportunity. Um, you would fancy whoever they picked to get to get one or two here if they don't i mean if fulham get something out of this game then i would say that city have got a bit of a problem um but they they managed to rest one or two players as it was the usual mix and match in in midweek so there will be some fresh legs um aguero didn't even travel um i suspect that means they, they're keeping him back um they may not risk him against Fulham, they may think they can get the job done without him, but he may be on the bench as a bit of insurance. But we're talking about him as if, as if he's the ultimate insurance policy. Well, on his record, he is, but he's getting on a bit and he's getting more and more injuries. And to be for a club like City to be relying on one man as much as they are, um, I think it is a bit concerning. Gabriel Jesus has not quite delivered uh, not as much as we thought. When he first appeared, he looked sensational. And um, then he, he had a couple of serious injuries and he's not been quite the same since. So, uh, yeah, a little bit concerning, um, but I don't see any other result other than a, a fairly comfortable City win. They they increased their goal tally by 50% last weekend with that 5-0 win over Burnley, Man City. <laughs> um, will they fill their boots, Craig Marias, against Burnley this weekend? For me, Bernardo Silva's been off the pace, and that has been crucial for City this season. Um, I think it's against uh, Fulham uh, that they're playing, Ross. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean... I think the problem with City this season that I think Des highlighted earlier when he was covering the Champions League, but, you know, they struggled for goals. I mean, we're so used to seeing uh, Pep's teams, you know, uh, create, you know, chances galore, 
quality like Aguero on the end of it uh, to finish it. They've, they've obviously missed Aguero. As Bob said, you know, Jesus is not right up. But, th- 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 I mean, Sterling's got off the ball a lot. Um, Silva, like you mentioned, he's been in and out of the team. Phil Foden, who's been arguably the best player so far this season, still can't consistently get into that first eleven. Now, when we talk about that first eleven, it's been chopping and changing every match. Um, there hasn't been a settled eleven. Then you know it goes back. I mean, it's when new managers come in. You know, you can understand the uncertainty. You don't know who's best eleven is, but Pep's been there for what now? Four years, something like that. Four or five years. Um, you've got to know your players. You've got to know who your best right back is. You've got to know who your best left back is. Given, yeah, you're going to have injuries here and there. But um, I just think, you know, you look at the centre-back position. You know, we, I think about a year ago, we were talking about uh, Laporte and how essential he is to that City defence. He, he, he hasn't played the last three matches and he's been on the bench. Um, so, so I think there's still a lot of, like, tinkering going on with that. Um, you know, they call it pep roulette. I mean, you just never know who's going to start. Yeah. Phil Foden can go away with England, score two goals, you know, and four days later find himself on the bench. Score midweek in the Champions League, find himself on the bench. There's no consistency, there's no fluidity in that team, and I think that's got a lot of, uh, you know, that's got a lot of reason to it, uh, to because that's where City find themselves. You know, they're struggling at the moment, struggling to score goals, um, and and struggling to move up the table. So uh, uh, until that changes, <clears throat> until the players know exactly what they're doing. Um, they're not going to get any any sort of consistency, any sort of form uh, really going. Saying that, you know, um, like the boy said, um, I, I just can't see a Fulham upset. I, I thought Fulham did very well to to upset the odds against Leicester um, earlier this week. But, I mean, I, you just can't see it again. You just can't. Fulham are looking to register back-to-back Premier League wins for the first time since 2013. Go on, you Fulham. Uh, it is a Saturday, 11 p.m. kickoff, Man City versus Fulham. We're going for a break. Uh, stay tuned. Back with more previews after this. We wondered if he'd make a difference. So it beats him all ends up, doesn't he? Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. On the ball with me, Ross, every Friday evening. We have off the ball on Mondays. Do check it out when we look back at how wrong the guys have been on a Friday night. The guys this week, Bob Holmes, Des Corkill and Craig Marias. You can tweet at BFM Radio. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We do have a YouTube channel up. It is TFIF on video. Right, West Ham in fifth. Take on ninth place Manchester United yes you heard me right West Ham in fifth Sunday 1.30 a.m. kickoff this one the Hammers are up in fifth because on Monday they beat Aston Villa 2-1 and uh, interesting article Bob Holmes I was reading in uh, Football 365 saying with that win David Moyes could actually move out of the friend zone with West Ham fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, um, he's got his mojo back, hasn't he? Um, and in most unlikely circumstances. I mean, they were among the favourites to go down, believe it or not. And, of course, all the unhappiness with the, uh, with the fans, even though he had saved them from relegation previously, they weren't happy with 
uh, his appointment uh, because they uh, expected him to condemn them to dour nil-nil draws at best and, uh, you know, some not very exciting times. But um, he's actually got the best out of uh, quite a, a reasonable bunch of players. He seems to have the team on his side, which he hasn't always had. And there are no mugs. He's um, one or two players there, quite quite decent. I think fifth flatters them. I don't think they they'll they'll finish fifth. I don't think they'll even get into Europe. But mid table, I think uh, any West Ham fan would have would have um, been very happy if you'd said at the start of the season they're going to finish mid table. They would have bit your hand off with that. Um, so and there's possibility of Antonio coming back, isn't there this weekend? Yeah. yeah. He played, um, I mean, he played uh, against Villa. He started. He did. He did. He did start. He didn't. He didn't play ninety minutes. So did he? Came off after half yeah. time. Yeah. So they're easing him back. He means a lot to them. I think it was quite a discovery putting him up front. Um, he's a guy that can play literally anywhere, but um, I think he's most effective up front because he's such a powerful guy. He's a handful for any defenders. And uh, he's he scored a few goals. So that's um, being without him uh, hasn't had the effect we thought it would have on West Ham. They've continued to to get results. So with him back, uh, who knows what they're going to do? Mm. Um, so this is a this could be a test for United, especially the United central defence. If he's playing, I yeah. think uh, Lindelof and Maguire are going to have their work cut out. So and, and not to mention David De Gea. So, uh, very interesting game, this. What a pity there'll only be 2,000 fans there. Because mm. um, they, uh, for this, uh, they might even manage to make a noise in that stadium. Um, but, uh, yeah, on the issue of fans, I, I agree with Des um, about the game generally. And although there's obviously a lot of hunger for the, ga- the game now, and the fans are desperate to return... And even when it's uh, when they're back to normal, I think when when it's full, they they grounds will be full for a while because of the novelty of, of the game. You know, it's bound to happen. But I do seriously worry about this cheating, turning off fans. I know personally among my friends, many who don't want to watch the game anymore because of the cheating and VAR mainly. The combination of the two, VAR was supposed to sort out the cheating, but it's not. It's made it worse, if anything. So I think it's worth mentioning that this expected um, influx of fans, yes, it will happen. But will it last when the novelty has worn off and we see what sort of a game we've ended up with? Yeah. Baby steps, baby steps. 2,000 back first. Um, All right, let's look at Man United then, Craig. United are unbelievably going to try and better their current record of eight victories on the road. Um, So they're better away from home. Don't talk about their form at Old Trafford. But they're going to this one with with a few injury problems. I understand Rashford's got a shoulder injury. Mine goes back to Brian Robson, last time a Man United player had an important shoulder injury. A bit before your time, maybe, Craig, but tough one. What do you reckon? No, 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 I was right. <laughs> yeah, um, I, um, I do think uh, he did oh, Well, he did come off uh, midweek, uh, but he walked straight down the tunnel. Um, he seemed to be walking fine. I think it's just one of those where um, 
you know, United really need to wrap him up in cotton wool, um, you know, ahead of the next two matches. You know, you've got West Ham, you've got a big match against Leipzig on Tuesday. Um, so I think it was more protection more than anything else. I do expect him to play against West Ham. Um, I, I wasn't sure what type of injury it was. Um, just finding out, um, hearing from you, that was his shoulder. Um, but I expect him to be fit. Um, I, I agree with, with Bob uh, with what Bob says. You know, I think it's going to be a good test for that United defence um, up against Antonio. I think West Ham have improved leaps and bounds uh, since the start of the season. Um, let's not even talk about the last couple of years, but uh, since the start of the season, remember the first they, they had a torrid start, um, and then um, obviously David Moyes went off with. Uh, uh, COVID and um, his assistant stepped in and, and started them on this amazing uh, winning run. Um, I like Jared Bowen. I think he's going to be a real threat as well. Um, he, he's a very talented player, quick, uh, runs at you. Um, but the, for me, the, the man who's improved the most is, is Declan Rice in the middle of the park. Mm. Um, I think he's just improved this game all around. Um, and yes, that comes with playing um, for England on a regular basis, you know. Um, at international level, but also playing in the Premier League week in, week out. I think he's added a little bit more to his game. I thought when he had Mark Noble alongside him, he was very um, restricted, very, um, you know, it's just, you know, win the ball and pass it off five yards. You know, there wasn't much to his game. Now we're seeing him impose himself on the team. Um, he's become a real leader with that captain's armband. Yep. Um, I think this is going to be a really, really good match uh, for, for United. It's going to be a tough match for United. Um, I, I well, I expect United to continue their their away form um, and, and get get to uh, nine away uh, away wins, but it's going to be tough. I, I really do think it's going to be tough. Set you up nicely for that. West Ham fifth against ninth place Manchester United Sunday one thirty a.m. kickoff. Uh, Chelsea in third. Can I, sorry, no, no, can... no, no. Can I interject? Can I interject? Sorry, West Ham are only fifth because of VAR. The Ollie Watkins decision was outrageously awful. 90th minute, firing towards goal. You tell me how that is offside. <coughs> Three minutes it took them. That is not helping football. That Ollie Watkins decision was as yeah. bad as any decision we've had this season. Yeah, that's what's turning people off the game. That's what, yes, it? exactly. Yes, absolutely. Running theme now till the end of the season until they sort this out, which is probably good. Let's not talk about how Liverpool won the title last season. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Let's not start that. All right. Um, very quickly then. Chelsea in third. Leeds United in 12th. This one is your Sunday 4 a.m. kickoff. Last time they met was May 2004, Des. Brings back memories, this one. Um, I expect it to be full-blooded, uh, but I'm thinking Chelsea and Leeds of all here. <laughs> Yeah, when, but when I was growing up, this was one of the ones where you'd watch behind the the the, uh, the sofa with your hands in front of your eyes because there were so many fouls. The infamous 1970 FA Cup final, the most watched game in English football history at 32 million, uh, even more than the the World Cup. Uh, different different eras, of course. But uh, the, a referee uh, subsequently said there would have been, I think, six red cards and 18 yellows in that particular match in that in that replay. That's what it used to be about. Bring it forward to this generation. It's nearly 40, 50 years on. And it'll still be full-blooded because Bielsa has his team going. Uh, Chelsea, I think, I think Chelsea are there uh, are there to stay because they've sorted things out defensively and they've got attackers who can 
uh, score from all over the pitch, and they've got N'Golo Kante. Yeah. He is so, so, so important. He's been revitalised. I don't know. Well, he was, he was put out, uh, out of position for a, a year and a half. Now he's back, and it's no coincidence that the team is ticking around that man. Chelsea, I think, are a real contender. I'm looking forward to this one, though. Won't quite be back to the 70s, but it, it, it'll be fun. <laughs> Leeds will, will have to, I mean, their gig and pressing has to be superb and 90 minutes long, Bob Holmes, if they're going to stand a hope. Uh, yes, it has. Um, I, I don't see them uh, stopping Chelsea, actually. I agree with Des here. I think Chelsea are genuine title contenders. I think on paper, when you look at all the sides now, with Liverpool having about seven first-team members out, uh, Chelsea have probably got the best uh, side on paper, uh, regardless of who they pick. I mean, when you think of the surfeit of riches that Lampard has got, I mean, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about this being a problem. I don't think it's much of a problem when you've got virtually world-class players you can juggle with an excess of top international players at your disposal and you're juggling with them. You've got enough games to keep them all happy. I mean, Giroud started that that game in midweek. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what a squad. And now they've sorted out the uh, the goalkeeping situation. And, and as Des says, uh, Kante is back to his proper position. Um, they, they look formidable. They really do. Um, they're going to end up with silverware this season. I don't think there's any question about it. Well, the severe. Coach, I wouldn't go as far as to pinpoint which one, but they'll get something. The, the severe coach came out and said, uh, "He's remember he's played all the top English sides recently. He's come out and said Chelsea have the best attackers. Period. Full stop. That's it. Chelsea leads. Then Sunday, four a.m. kickoff. It is going to be a cracker. Uh, off for another break. You stay tuned. Back right after this." Lovely football, speed of that little passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. A two-goal lead, a picture of a goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back with Bob Holmes, with Des Corkill, and with Craig Marias previewing the first North London derby of the weekend. Fans are going to be allowed back into the Tottenham Stadium. Um, now, Craig, looking at Spurs first, on, on uh, Thursday, it was a 3-3 draw against Linz of Austria in the Europa League. Uh, Jose's managing his side really well. Uh, Harry Kane was missing, but apparently he should be all right for the weekend. Yeah, um, I think he'll be doing everything he can to be, to be fit for this one. Um, it's it's the North London derby, you know. He's a he, he's a player that you know played for Arsenal when he was a little bit younger. Um, obviously moved on and achieved and is achieving great things with Spurs. Um, so yeah, he, he definitely want to be um, get himself fit and, and everything for this one. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, I think there's a little small aspect of mind games here uh, from Jose, as you'd expect. Um, but what a match this is! Um, you know, Spurs absolutely flying under Mourinho right now. Arsenal over recent weeks, not quite hitting the heights under Arteta. Um, and, you know, is this is this where the tables have turned? Um, you know, a lot of criticism towards Ole and all that. But, you know, Arteta, no experience, got given the job um, and, you know, started off fantastically well. Um, obviously won the, the FA Cup 
uh, last season. But now this is the real test. You know, it's a new season. Players aren't performing. Um, and this is where the going gets tough. You know, it's all right when it's saw Rosie as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer found out prior to getting the job. Um, and, you know, when the going gets tough, do you have it in you to dig deep, to change the system, to drop certain players? Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is this is a good, good test for Arteta. Yes, he um, Arsenal had a good result in, uh, in the Europa League as well. Um, but, you know, Premier League form suggests that they, they, they're struggling a little bit and lack of goals is a big, big concern. Yeah, um, absolutely. They need to transfer, Des. They need to transfer that Europa League goal-scoring form into their league form. Now, I mean, Craig's absolutely right. This game's massive. If it's another defeat for Arteta, suddenly, question marks, will he even last a season, etc., etc.? Yeah, come back, Arsene Wenger have been saying that. Arsenal are so sure of their identity at their moment, they wear blue for their home games. Did you see that in the Europa League last night? <laughs> Arsenal, who play in red and white, do not know what colour kit they wear at home games. This, I think, is the opportunity for Tottenham and Jose Mourinho to actually put a dagger into Arsenal because the difference in confidence levels between the two sides is chalk and cheese. Uh, Tottenham have the ability when Jose lets them off the leash to score from all over the pitch. Arsenal are reliant upon Aubameyang or Lacazette got uh, a good one. They, they scored a couple of nice goals yesterday. But um, I, I really, I, I was an Arteta fan at the start. I thought he'd yeah. done things well. I thought they'd got them organised. But then suddenly, suddenly they haven't. And so I, 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 I'm not one for calling for people's heads. I'm certainly not. But you're, you're quite right. This could be a, a distinctive moment. This could be a, a mid-table Arsenal finish. One personal little point, by the way, of the 2,000 fans going in, uh, I was best man to three people in my life. And uh, the, the lad who I was best man to is a big Tottenham fan. And he's got two of the tickets. What? And he will wow. be cheering behind his mask for Tottenham on Saturday. Him and, him and his boy, Josh, who uh, did an internship with the uh, Malaysia Football League last year. So um, I hope they do well. And I'm expecting somebody to shout out Malaysia Belay from the Tottenham <laughs> just, just on that, Ross, quickly. Um, you know, we've seen it in the past, you know, there, there have been North London derbies where Spurs have been absolutely flying, going into his favourites. But Arsenal somehow just managed to come, come away from it with a win. You know, if, if there is one match to get their season going, you know, this will probably be it. Um, I, I don't think neither of the players need motivating for this one. You know, it's, it's, it's such a big one. And, and I think, you know, you talk about the confidence levels and yes, it's, it's very low at Arsenal. But just imagine if they win. Just imagine that is the game that, you know, restarts their season. Um, you know, it, 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 could, it could work both ways. Yeah, yeah. It really could. But Spurs go into this as massive, massive favourites. They do say, throw the form book out when it comes to derbies. Tottenham versus Arsenal is Monday, half past midnight. That one kicks off. Uh, later on after that, you've got Liverpool against Wolves at 3.15 a.m. Uh, uh, kickoff. Actually, when Wolves met Arsenal earlier, there was a massive head, head injury. We saw David Luiz and Raul Jimenez. In fact, Raul Jimenez yeah. fractured his skull. Uh, he's recovering well, nice to say, uh, through his operations and he's recuperating. But that's a horrible sight, Bob. I mean, there was blood everywhere and they were head bandaged. And you've just felt for them, didn't you? Yeah. 
absolutely. Uh, I mean, you do wonder about uh, Jimenez's future, don't you? Fractured yeah. skull. I mean, with all the attention now on head injuries, I mean, medic, I mean, he's basically talking about dementia was a completely different thing, but it's still the head. And uh, you wonder, as a centre-forward, a rampaging sort of old-fashioned centre-forward who's good in the air and meets crosses with a powerful head, whether he's going to be the same player. Uh, I mean, it's a hairline. I understand it's a hairline job. So possibly he can come back. But you wouldn't blame him if he was a little bit nervous going up for the first cross, would you? Yeah. Um, when he does. So, I mean... And players have had less serious injuries than that and, and not been the same. So really, fingers crossed for him because he's a great player. I think he's a great guy. Um, I mean, there was talk of him being almost in the 100 million category last season, rumours about Real Madrid and all that. Um, I mean, he is very, very good. I think 100 million is probably a little bit high, but uh, a much sought-after uh, centre-forward and, uh, you know, at the peak of his powers. And to get that serious injury like that is, is a bitter blow. Let's mm. just hope that he can be the same again. Because Wolves, well, they're already not the same, are they? Mm. They're missing Diogo Jota. Uh, they're missing Traore because he hardly ever plays. And um, they're not quite the force they, they were last season. Um, so if they lose him... Um, it, it's going to be a, a serious blow. Uh, so, and they, um, uh, Doherty was injured uh, the other night, wasn't he? The, uh, of course, they got rid of him to Spurs. Um, I still think of him as a Wolves player. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, they, uh, Podence has been very good for them. And yeah. they'll give Liverpool a, a good workout. But yeah. I think Liverpool's confidence will have been boosted after that that midweek win over Ajax. And uh, I think they should they should safely uh, get through this one. Yeah. Um, they, working on, on dropped points last weekend at the MX, uh, Des Corkill, Liverpool will be looking for, for a win. Last season, it was a 1-0 win to uh, Saito Mane scoring the, the goal there. Do you think it'll be kids again? Do you think it'll be a mixture of kids? Or is everyone fit and ready to come back? No one's fit and ready to come back at the moment. Liverpool are, are right down to the bare bones. Kelleher will pop, probably get the start in goal. Neko Williams is probably going to get the call out right back. Uh, Joel Matip uh, is, was number three of the centre-backs, but now he's the linchpin because Fabinho is injury-prone. Even Andy Robertson got a knocker in, in midweek and he, was, um, he received treatment, but I hear he's OK. In midfield, there's, there's, um, there's issues as well because James Milner, I think, is, is still out. So... Um, so it's down to the bare bones for Liverpool, running on air. That's why Jurgen Klopp's reaction after the win over Ajax was so extreme. Uh, he was running on, hugging everybody, and he's called it one of the great nights, European nights, at Anfield, simply because of the circumstances. I think it's remarkable that Liverpool are still joint top of the table on points, are still in the Champions League, going in, uh, guaranteed a place in the round of 16, considering those injuries. Any three of those injuries would have been bad, but I think it was nine nine potential first-team starters were out for the match against Ajax. And uh, it's not going to get easier because uh, the games come thick and fast. The Wolves are, are good. The one silver lining for Liverpool is Jimenez won't be there um, because he is such a, an important part of, of what Wolves are all about going forward. 
I see this one as really, really difficult. Liverpool need their front three to be firing on all cylinders. I don't know. Craig, Vars Craig. robbed them. Vars robbed them of four points already this season, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I was going to say, mm. Liverpool have dropped six points from winning positions this season. That's one point more than the entire of last season. But that's all thanks to VAR. <laughs> Craig, you can just see Diego Jota getting the winner here for Liverpool, don't you? Because football yeah. is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just written, isn't it? Um, Jota to, I mean, do something that 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 you know really uh, affects this match. Look, I think I think you know, despite all their injuries, uh, you know, you talk about squads. You know, Des goes on about squads and how um, you know the money spent. You know, there, there should be no excuses for Liverpool here. Um, I think you know some of the boys that are coming through. Um, you know, we've seen obviously we talked about the goalkeeper Callan, but you know, Necker Williams is you know plays plays for Wales. Um, Curtis Jones, you know, he's, he's come on, you know, really well over the last 18 months or so. Um, so you're talking about really talented boys here um, that, you know, deserve, they're, they're not being thrown into it. Um, some, you know, I think someone like Curtis Jones deserves his place, um, you know, playing in the Champions League, playing some big games for them. Um, don't forget, he did score the winner against Everton in the FA Cup as well. I mean, it's yeah. not an easy game to go into. Yeah. Um, if, if this was pre-COVID. So, you know, a full-packed stadium scores an absolute belt into the top corner. You're talking about a really talented kid here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Liverpool, despite all their injury concerns and this, that, the other, I think they're still massive favourites. Wolves still haven't hit the heights of the last two years. Um, Nuno's obviously changed a few things here and there, sold a couple of important players. Um, and and I think their philosophy, their style has changed as well. You know, they're a lot more defence-minded these days, Um and now without Raul Jimenez, I think it's a, it's a big, big problem. They don't really have uh, a replacement. They have Fabio Silva. He's a young kid. I think he's about 17, 18 years old. Too young to lead the line for me. So I think you, you're going to look at someone like Pedro Neto maybe playing up front, Adama Troyera possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're really short on options up front. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a this is a Liverpool win. And yeah, go on, Ross. Jota it, to it, score. <laughs> it all points it. to a home win. And uh, Liverpool versus Wolves, three fifteen a.m. kickoff. Couple of ridiculous other... kickoff time. Ridiculous kickoff time. <laughs> uh, some of the other ties we very quickly just going to mention here: West Brom in eighteenth take on fifteenth place Crystal Palace. Dez won't be watching that one. Sunday, 8 p.m., that one. <laughs> Sheffield United, bottom, take on fourth place Leicester City. Sunday, 10, 15 p.m. kickoff. That's it. That's all the time we have. So I'm going to say thank you to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to Des Corkill. Go and look at the Kovechi hat-trick in the, RS, uh, in the Istanbul versus um, uh, Ras- uh, 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 Red Bull. What a hat-trick from what that. What a free kick. Yeah, superb. Three sensational <laughs> goals, and he lost. thank you Craig Marias as well thank you very much mate have a great weekend everybody I'll spot you Monday some people are on the pitch they think it's all over follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9 it is now thank you for listening to this podcast To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.